Okay, this is the moment you've all been waiting for. Y'all remember when Deion Sanders, y'all remember when he had a little toe issue and he had some toes cut yeah, off? Yeah, he's eight-toed prime. Eight-toed toe prime. He had as many toes as Jason Pierre-Paul had. No, no, eight-toed prime. He had that left big toe and then the number two toe right there taken off. I'm out, dog. He just See got that? three little piggies hanging off that old left foot. All he's got them three little ones. The three littlest toes on his left foot hanging out there. Yeah, those He'll little piggies got taken to the slaughterhouse. What do you mean is he? Now, those are in a biohazard bin somewhere, man. Yeah. Somebody had bought Prime Time's toe. I don't need to walk in someone's man cave. They got Prime's toes. I have old Prime toes. This is my autographed Emmett Smith football, and uh, over here we have uh, Deion Sanders primetime. We have his uh, his toes. And that is in mint condition. That blemish on that left side there is from an ingrown toenail when he was 18. Like, I think sandals are probably out of the mix with these. I hope so, man. I hope so. The Bible says how good and pleasant it is when brethren, brethren dwell together in unity. God bless. Sports Radio 610 presents The Drive with Sterner and Cubley. <laughs> How beautiful it is. Oh, eight toe prime. Truth of the matter is, I bet eight toe prime can outrun everybody in this damn building still. No I, argument. I, I mean, I, with eight toes, I bet no you way. prime can can get it, get every one of us. He can't dig in with that left foot, but if he puts that right foot back out of the gate, I think he's probably going to get every single one of us. But, fellas, show done turned the reins over to old Dirty. We're going to have us a time now, 2 to 6 p.m., right here on Sports Radio 610. Oh, damn. So. As usual, the drive is live, baby. And in color, and also, the drive is in the hose. See, <laughs> see, nice. it's in the hose. You don't get, you don't get, see, you're not coachable. We'll try it again. I ask you one thing. I didn't ask you to add to my open. I ask you, I'm going to let it breathe, and I want you to do your thing, all right? <laughs> the drive is live, baby. And in the hose. And today, we are joined by my man, Sean Bijani, reporter. What else, Sean? Host. Host. Reporter. SportsRadio16.com. Oh, SportsRadio16. Let's just call him a contributor. What the hell? He contributes yeah, all know. over the all over the map, digitally and on the air. He is with us today. My man, Ron, the show, Ugly, is out. Look, quality Christmas time with the family. I, I got some videos from him this morning. His kiddos were jumping in them ball pits somewhere. Show was out there. Show was out there leaning on the wall. I said, "Hey, man, you done dropped 120. Get over in that ball pit with them kiddos. Have a little fun, man." He said he's wearing them out before he uh, he left him with with, uh, with with grandma. I'd and have he, been in there. Hey, hey, look here, not me. Uh, uh-uh. uh, I'm, I'm gonna let them kiddos run in them in them ball pits. I, I mean, I could probably use it as a workout, but I'm, I'm gonna let them. I'm gonna let them kiddos play. But but Show didn't want to. Show was conserving energy because he's got he's got a little uh he's got a little uh evening little date night with his lady. That's starting with a massage and uh, champagne and uh, show better save a little bit of energy right there. The expectations are going to be uh, through the roof. We got a good show lined up. We got a big time show lined up. My man, Michael Brantley, maybe my favorite Astro. That's saying a lot because white boy Chaz has really, really grown on me over over time. And then obviously you got the Bregman, the Altuve, the Jordans. I mean, these guys from I mean, you got a lot. There's a lot to like about this particular roster. But Michael Brantley is uh, is one of, if not my favorite. Uh, we obviously lost an absolute uh, legend uh, in in the NFL, Franco Harris, former Pittsburgh Steeler running back. I mean, one of the one of, if not the most iconic play in NFL history. Los Correa, I, I called him Los. Los Correa, he flipped, uh, he pivoted, if you will. No longer going to be on the West Coast with the Giants. He's going to be up in the Northeast 
with the Mets. And we've got John Heyman who broke that story at 1.30 uh, in the morning. 1.36, I think, to be exact. Isn't that right, T? Whenever he broke the news? Yes. Yeah, it was late. I don't know exactly, but that sounds right. And this is John Heyman, not uh, not uh, Hotel Lobby Bobby, no, right? No, not Hotel Lobby Bobby. He didn't get that scoop. Check All right. your phone, because Tyler texted both of us last night. At like oh yeah, I saw it right when it morning. broke. Yeah, Tyler was on one last night. <laughs> Tyler was on. I knew he had won a few bets, and and I, the the dogs probably got a good healthy report from the doctor and all that kind of stuff. Meg may have, may have rubbed on his on his shoulders a bit, and he he was uh, he was awfully busy last night. On all that of old... those things happened. You nailed it. Well, I mean, hell, I'm pretty good at what I do, man. He, he, all of those <laughs> things must have happened because he was uh, he was uh, texting away, man. His old fingers were working. But Brantley, let's hit this Brantley thing out of the gate here. Michael Brantley. Monday, the news broke that the Astros had signed Michael Brantley back to a one-year, $12 million deal, $4 million of incentives. So it, this could be equal to what he signed uh, the, in the previous contract. It was a two-year, $32 million, a year, $32 million deal total, which comes out to $16 million a year. So obviously, Brantley wanted to be back in Houston. In fact, don't take it from me. Let me um, – let me let you hear from the man himself. Let me let me let you hear it from the horse's mouth. We've got three cuts of audio here that I think answer all the questions that need to be answered about Michael Brantley. Here's Michael Brantley talking about whether it was always his plan to return to the Astros. Yeah, 100%. Um, when you have the family atmosphere like we do, we have such great teammates uh, in an organization, like I said before, that you know brought me in with open arms and made me feel comfortable right away. I'm very appreciative of it. So anytime I have that opportunity, uh, you know, working through this process, you know, I always got excited. You know, anytime that, you know, there was a chance that I knew I could come back and be a Houston Astro again. I'm going to be honest with you guys, man. This is one reason right here why I absolutely love Michael Brantley. I, the, the, how many times do you hear a guy that's got options, a guy as accomplished as him, uh, a guy that brings as much to the table as he does, talk about how – because that wasn't that was just a 20-second cut. It, it, there were several cuts where he talked about how appreciative he was of the opportunity to be with such a great franchise and how much he loved Jim Crane and how much he loves the clubhouse. I mean, it, it's it's refreshing. I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with the guys that that don't that don't uh, communicate that, that the message that way or maybe don't feel that way about themselves. But Sean, it, it is it is refreshing to hear an, an experienced, long in the tooth player that obviously has options return to the Astros and then speak so appreciative of the opportunity it's a breath of fresh air man I don't know how many options he actually had though to be quite honest with you because we that's something we don't know and I I guess if the Astros were in a different you know situation if there were different circumstances I would side-eye this a little bit more you know 12 million dollars is nothing to sneeze at for what they're going to be asking him to do which is We'll hear from him here in a second. It's not much different than what they've asked him to do since he became an Astro. He's certainly seen less and less time in left field and more time at DH in recent years. Um, And I think that's the plan going forward. But I don't know how many options the guy really had. I mean, who wouldn't want to return to a team that, one, paid you very well uh, over the course of the last couple of years, but then, two, that is a World Series perennial contender to not just go but to win the dang thing. You know, that's huge. Yeah, yeah, look, I mean, I, I'm just basing it off what we've seen recently with, with Brantley. Brantley had a deal signed with the with the Blue Jays. I, I'm, I'm going to go out and guess that this injury, if he's healthy, didn't completely scare every franchise away that needs a 300 hitter. Yeah. Right? I mean, a guy that's known as Mr. Professional, a guy that can be a DH or, or play 
left field. And look, I know the age thing scares some folks. Adam Spolane, baseball Spo, him and him and Ron the show Ugly are running a really tight race of every time somebody signs, it's well, that guy's old. That guy's old. Uh, yeah. Hold on, so. Look, I, I get the age. I get the inj- injury history. I'm, I'm, I agree. I, I understand it's a talking point. But for me, I, I don't have any. I don't have any doubt that the guy had options. And I don't know that he had $16 million options, but I don't have any doubt that Michael Brantley uh, had options along the way. I can't tell you who they were because I'm not inside there, but I feel pretty pretty strongly about that. I know there's another, there's a couple more questions that Astros fans have about Michael Brantley. These are the two big ones, right? Where are you physically, Michael Brantley? Where are you physically, and when will you be swinging the bat again? I'm feeling great. Obviously, I've been, you know, rehab and working hard all offseason to get back. But overall, I'm doing phenomenal. Really happy where I am physically. I won't be able to hit yet to uh, mid-January sometime. I don't have a select date. But sometime in January, I'll start swinging a bat and kind of have a little progressive uh, hitting schedule throughout then. And we'll go from there. Not good. Not going smooth. Phenomenally. He yeah. feels phenomenal, y'all. It's from the horse's mouth right there. We can all speculate on health. We can all speculate on whether he's going to be back or not. Clearly, that's a big part of this of this equation here yeah. with Michael Brantley and how he fits in. But I, I, for one, love hearing that he's doing phenomenal, and the Astros are clearly comfortable enough with him to give him this contract. It's great to hear that from yeah. Michael today. You know, a, a sixteen, the potential of making sixteen million dollars this next season maybe helps you feel a little bit better about your situation, but. That's what kind of surprised me most about the timing of the signing and bringing him back. I wanted him back. I thought he was vital. Um, Anything that he could give you in the field or at the plate, I think, would be a bonus. But what was interesting is I was really thinking that we were going to get to February or maybe even March before they would bring him back. And presumably, Crane would have handled the situation in left field DH platoon with Jordan differently with another player that is not currently in-house. Right. That was my line of thinking. And quite similarly, just have Brantley a member of this roster going forward. Like, I presume them to want to have Yuli back in some sort of capacity because he is a clubhouse leader, he is a fan favorite, um, and the value that he brings to the other eight guys that he's playing with on the field at any given time. Yeah, look, I, I'm stoked about him coming back. I'm stoked that he's doing phenomenal and and swinging in mid-January, early to mid-January right there. Sounds like a good report. We'll keep an eye on that and keep our ears to the ground in terms of of when that actually happens, and, and we'll have it for you. But it's, it's good to hear it from Brantley exactly where he's at. Now, there's one more dynamic here with Michael Brantley as an Astro is left field is not a, a vacant position. Right, Jordan Alvarez. Depending on who you ask, if you ask, um, uh, if if you ask Jeff Bagwell, he wants him playing. What was it, Tyler? Forty to fifty percent, forty five percent, something like that. Yeah, GM Bagwell wanted uh forty to fifty percent somewhere in there, I think. Yeah, and then Dusty turned around. Dusty wants seventy five percent. I think is what the number was. But you anyway, know what I'm saying? yeah, I hear you, Dusty. We we know. I mean, we're sure you're going to get your way. But either way it goes, the, I love the platoon in left field of Jordan Alvarez and Michael Brantley. That turns me on. Leave white boy Chaz in center. We we don't. I mean, everything is fine. Do whatever you want when 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 you need your your best defense out there. I don't care how you figure that out. Um, but but that that as a plan going through the season and getting through one sixty two, I absolutely love. Leave white boy Chaz Chaz McCormick in center field. Let him get a year a full year with with some confidence in that he's going to be in the lineup and he's your starting center fielder. And then obviously with Tucker and Wright, I love where the Astros are sitting, probably more so than others. But here's here's uh, Michael Brantley on 
that platoon in left field and how he feels about being left field versus DH and, and kind of sharing those two duties with Jordan Alvarez? Of course. Uh, I'm a team player. Team comes first always. Uh, I just look forward to contributing in a positive way each and every day. Any chance that I get. So if that's what they want to do, I'm all for it. If he needs a day and I can go out there and left field, I'll be ready to do that as well. Um, I think we do a great job of, you know, communicating how everybody's doing and giving everybody, or trying to keep everybody fresh in the process. So uh, whatever they need me to do. I don't think either guy at this point in time, when, it, when it's this kind of setup, you got an older guy, well-respected in the clubhouse, 300 hitter, um, and then you've got a young up-and-coming, one of the best hitters in the game, um, that are split in time. Like I, I, this, this is a situation to me where if these two get, if these two guys get sideways, or the Astros have a problem with it, 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 it would surprise the hell out of me because it doesn't seem like either one of these guys have an ego, and it seems like both of them are okay with DH and left field. And so I, I think it's a, it's a perfect marriage. And hearing from Brantley that he's cool with it, he's good with it, doesn't surprise me. But again, refreshing to hear it from the veteran left fielder. I think it's huge. Um, Brantley clearly there's guy who's willing to accept whatever yep. role the Astros give him. So I think that's a number one. Uh, that to me is also he recognizes where he's at at this point in his career at this state with this organization as well. If you look at his career numbers, or rather since he became a Houston Astro in 2019, the split between his time in left field and designated hitter has really been pretty consistent. You know, look at the DH game since 19, 25, 26, 31, and 35 last year before he went down with injury. Left field games were 114, 19, 83, and then 29 last season. I would be shocked if it was going to be much different. You know, I know Dusty would like to see it 75% of the time him left. Bagwell and maybe Crane you would like to see it a little bit less. Here's the thing. The career numbers for Michael Brantley when he plays in the field or DH are split about as even as you can get in terms of average on base percentage, slugging, OPS, and even OPS plus, right down the middle. But during his time with the Astros, it's clear that Brantley has been a much better producer at the plate when he's playing in the field. And I haven't gone back recently to look at the numbers from Jordan Alvarez, but I would venture to guess that the it's a pretty similar case with Jordan. Sure. He's a much better producer at the plate when he's playing in the field, but he's so damn good at the plate, period, whether he's DH or left field, and he's still a maturing and ascending player is Jordan Alvarez. So I think you feel pretty good about that platoon going forward. It just comes down to how healthy can Michael Brantley and Jordan Alvarez be there are injury concerns there with both, and rightfully so, yeah. particularly with Brantley. I tell you, just get him to September. You know what I mean? Like yeah. if somebody's a little banged up, set him out. Let the other guy play. I don't don't get don't get caught up on seventy five percent, forty five percent, whatever. Let let's just let's just platoon that Joker, and and get through the season, get to September, and and have both of those bats in the lineup. I, I just look at the Astros won a World Series last year, and they've added two three hundred hitters since. Mm-hmm. I mean that 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 lineup is absolutely filthy. Again, assuming everybody's healthy. Assuming nobody falls off the cliff because they're older player, or um, you know, like like last year, it, it seemed like Yuli fell off the cliff until until the playoffs kicked in. Um, you know, assuming that doesn't happen, this lineup is going to be absolutely filthy. And I, look, I don't think the eight hole hitter. I, I think White Boy Chaz, when you give him uh, one sixty two, I, I think there's a chance that he's as good as as he's been sparingly, or, or even better. So uh, it's going to be fun to watch this this crew. Really, we're going to be cussing and discussing. The uh, the the nine hole hitter at the end of the day. So good luck, Martin 
Maldonado. All right, here we go. Look, if, if you're looking for an edge as you're betting on bowl games this holiday season, bowl season, it's here. It's, it's a moment right in the heart of it, baby. The big ones are coming. You can cash the ticket. Cash the ticket is the podcast to help you bet smarter, folks, on all pro games and all college games. Check out new episodes every Thursday and Friday. New episodes every Thursday and Friday of Cash the Ticket on the Odyssey app or wherever you go to get your podcast. All right, one of the wildest things that we've seen in all of sports in 2022, it happened last night. It happened last night about 1.36 in the morning, at least according to the reports. We'll tell you what that is and we'll discuss next. Sports Radio 610 presents The Drive with Sterner and Hughley. Ron, the show, Ugly is out. Sean Bajani is in. And Tyler, you did it again. That's a banger right there. I mean, that's one of them songs. Look, I mean, there's Tyler, Tyler bumps in sometimes with music that just touches me to my to my core, man. And and I just feel some kind of way about it. And I want to sing and I want and then every now and then he hits he hits a banger old school that just I don't want to do nothing but just just bang, just just nod my head a little bit, just Absolutely, rock back and forth just a dude. little bit. I heard this the other day on my iTunes. I said, "Oh, we we got yeah. that for the show right there. We got that, it. that one's that one's it right there." Now, now the little angry white guy's gonna bang in there, and, he, and he'll, <laughs> he'll get you. He'll make, he might get you off the wall there uh, pretty quick. But uh, that's that's one of them, folks. If you can't if you ain't nodding your head to that one right there, you either don't know it or you and I can't drink a cold beer together. If you don't know it, I can't hold it against you. Oh, Marshall! But look here, come on. Good gosh, that one right there takes me back to Park Street. That little, little angry white guy. That little angry white guy. <laughs> he, 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 may, he, may, he may cuss you off the wall, but for the time being, we're going to lean on that thing and bob our head a little bit. All right, Los Correa, you all know him, one of the, one of the greatest Astros to ever do it. Um, he moved on last year, obviously, to the Minnesota Twins, and the news broke. Was that was that this weekend or was that early, was that Monday, Tuesday-ish? What, that, what, what was when it? The when the news broke. When the, the news broke. Was it last week? Uh, he signed the weekend. deal with the Giants on the 13th. So eight days ago. Eight days ago. Okay, so he signed the deal, but okay, okay. That might be sorry, the, not signed. I, I'm with agreed it. Yes. In terms. He agreed in terms to the deal eight days ago, but the the introductory press conference for Carlos Correa was scheduled for yesterday. That's where that's where I'm going with this thing. He agreed uh, in principle with to the, with the Giants, uh, and December the 13th was scheduled to be introduced today, right? Correct? Yes. Uh, or yesterday. Today's Wednesday. Yesterday, he was scheduled to be introduced. Obviously, that introductory press conference did not happen. And I'll be damned. We sat here yesterday and we were talking, well, I mean, hopefully he's not dealing with anything like like serious that's, that's, that's affecting him and his family. And he's okay, first and foremost. Yeah. But secondly, and I think you're, you're of, this, of this thought here, Sean, is like, how in the hell does a team schedule an introductory press conference before they cross all the T's and dot all the I's? Yeah, that was my first question. If, 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 if you don't put pen to paper, if the final results of a physical is not in yet, like yeah. why are you scheduling such a press conference? You had eight days to get all of this stuff done. Why now? Which is, that was my first reaction last night when Tyler, te- actually my first reaction when Tyler texted us last night was like, okay, I know how Tyler can be. He stays up late. He might have had a few. He might have misinterpreted something. Let me double check and see if he was looking right. at a shady website. So you thought <laughs> I was drunk. I thought you were drunk. <laughs> I thought you were drunk. You're texting us at 1 o'clock, 1.30, 2 o'clock in the morning, and I don't want to respond because I have to work with you guys the next day. And for with Clint the next three days, 
I don't want this guy to get pissed off because I know what it's like to have a nine-month-old baby at home. <laughs> and, like, dude's trying to get uh, some that's sleep. That's a good point. Didn't think about so, that. Yeah. <laughs> Hope it didn't wake you up, Clint. No, but no, you, I'm good. I, I was up finally. <laughs> I'm at a point where I can't look at my phone when the baby's around. So when the, after the baby goes to bed, I'm I'm, I'm look. I, I can look at my phone and and, and respond. I'm to things, literally so. nodding off last night, sitting up in bed trying to watch one of my shows, and I was about to call it quits. I get a text from Tyler, and I'm like, oh. Let me jump on this. I ended up show prepping till about three thirty in the morning. Last decently night. big piece of news, would you say? Yeah, it was pretty good. good Ab- absolutely, absolutely beautiful. I, I, here, here's the thing: is is I, I don't I don't understand how a a anybody that has the ability to hand out a three hundred fifty million dollar deal over thirteen years doesn't have the the ability to to navigate. I'm, I'm a big navigate navigate the process um, the right way, at least competently. I don't know how you schedule it before the deal is is signed sealed and delivered i do understand that the 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 deal is agreed to in principle and the contracts are are faxed anymore but the contracts are signed everything is contingent on the medicals right well the medicals came in the mets find something that they don't like and i don't know if the mets found something they didn't like Giants, giants i'm sorry the giants i'm sorry the giants found something they didn't like and tried to push back did the giants find something they didn't like and say Hey, this deal is done. Get the hell out of here. We don't want you anymore. It'll be interesting to hear all the details of kind of what went down between Carlos Correa's representation and and the Giants relative to the contract. I, we all know what ultimately went down, but it'll be interesting to hear how it all actually went down, if, if, you, if you know what I mean. There's a statement from the San Francisco Giants today on Carlos Correa. It reads in part, quote, while we're prohibited from disclosing confidential medical information, as Scott Boris stated publicly, there was a difference of opinion over the results of Carlos's physical examination. We wish Carlos the best, end quote. That's the statement from the Giants today. Now, here's the question, too, because according to Heyman's report last night at 1.38 in the morning, was that, he, all right, here's the deal. It's 12 years, um, damn, I've already forgot the 315. Numbers. 12 years, 315. Pending a physical, okay? So my question is, the Mets obviously feel like they're going to be a little bit more comfortable with what the medicals say in relation to Carlos than that of the Giants. What do the medicals say? When are we going to find that out? What are we going to learn? Is it chronic back issues, which we discussed heavily back in 2019, particularly after him landing on the DL, I think it's when they still called it the DL in 2018, so what's the disparity? What's the issue? Because he really hasn't had any major problems in terms of his health since the 2019 season. So if it's something chronic, this would be a complete shocker, right? Yeah. Unless it was just the simple fact that the Astros declined to pay that much attention to it or at least make anything public. The same thing with the Minnesota Twins. This, to me, reeks of the Giants being very desperate after losing out on Aaron Judge. They felt like they needed to do something to spark the fan base. It was written on the wall that they were going to lose Radon. They needed to make a big splash. So you go out and you sign Carlos Correa, but maybe, in fact, it is. And I've heard a couple of people have this opinion today. I think John Lopez is one of them. It seemed to be the consensus on Twitter last night, a little bit buyer's remorse, desperate move by the Giants. And they just couldn't bring themselves to do it because they didn't want to devote $27 million a year to a guy who could potentially, you know, miss a third or more of the season every year. Yeah, and that's, I mean, 
I, I, I don't. We're speculating on everything that happened. I, I agree yeah. with you that it was. It, it could have been buyer's remorse. It could have been just a misunderstanding. And Carlos Correa and his representation said, "You can stick it where the sun don't shine." I got another offer that I'm gonna that, that I'd rather be in New York anyway. I, I, I'm just anxious. I'm anxious to hear things leak of what exactly went on. And I know I don't care to hear precisely what the medical issue was. I just want to know how it went down between him. And his and his uh, and and the Giants ultimately, but nonetheless, oh, yeah. the the news broke at one thirty eight that that um, by John Heyman, who by the way we're gonna have John Heyman on at, in the three forty segment. So the back half of the three o'clock hour, make sure you're uh, you're tuned in. He'll, he'll have uh, hopefully some details. John Heyman he broke the story at one thirty eight in the morning uh, of of Correa to the Mets twelve years three hundred and fifteen million dollars. The 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 Mets. I mean, they're setting all kind of they're setting all kind of records here. I mean, the 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 twenty twenty three MLB offseason spending, the New York Mets are at eight hundred and six million dollars this year. The bottom twenty two teams in Major League Baseball seven hundred and fifty three million. In, in comp two, are Houston Astros one hundred and five million. Woo! Love New, that money. It, one of, one of the things we talked about a couple of days ago. It, it is it is awfully expensive, Sean. To chase the Astros right now, it is. Yeah, I mean, between them, the Yankees, the Padres last year, um, the Dodgers all the time. I mean, the, these these guys are are spending a lot of money to chase the Astros. And Tyler, you just you said that there's some some uh, new information out there. World Series odds. What, what do you yeah, got? Yeah, yeah, y'all know I'm a degenerate and love to bet on uh, <laughs> sports. But the the new odds just came out for uh, who's going to win the World Series. The odds for a World Series winner this season. The Astros, they remain number one, obviously. Yep. But uh, close number two now, the New York Mets. They have the uh, New York Mets as the second likeliest to win the World Series this season. So the Mets went out there and spent $806 million in in, uh, in free agency in, in the offseason this year, and not necessarily in free agency, but definitely in the offseason. And then uh, did I read somewhere, guys, where they're – Five hundred million this year is one hundred and fifty million more than any team has ever spent in a in a in a season. I think I know what you're talking about. It was something like that, some but, crazy money stat. Yeah, gra- grab those numbers. I mean, it, it, they they have they have spent. I, I know the number was one hundred and fifty million uh, more than any team ever has uh, in, in a in a year. And boy, I mean, a hundred. Well, last I saw was one hundred and eleven million in luxury tax is what they're looking at now. I mean, this this coming year. It's um, it's crazy the money that the Mets are spending yeah. right now, not just on he, Carlos Correa, on on uh, on everybody. So, um, it, it's it, we'll, we'll we'll dig into some of those numbers and and bring those to you a little, little bit more accurately here, uh, coming up. But uh, the Texans, how about the Texans? They head to Tennessee for a Christmas Eve rematch with the Titans. I, I played a game when I was with the Cowboys on Christmas Eve in Nashville. Not not a, not a bad place to spend Christmas Eve. Uh, you can hear all the action right here on Sports Radio 610, starting with the Texans countdown at 9 o'clock, presented by Modelo. Had a few Modelo on my time as well. Kickoff is at noon, and the Texans postgame starts as soon as the clock hits zero. That that uh, kickoff, uh, that pregame show, Texans pregame, is Sean Pendergast and Seth Payne. And then that postgame is uh, Sean Pendergast and yours truly, Clint Sterner. All right, the hardest thing – for Lovey and Nick to overcome in this awful, awful season. Uh, the hardest thing for Cal and Hannah McNair to accept in this awful season. Let's be honest, this awful run of three uh, seasons. I'll tell you what that is, and uh, we will discuss next. Sports Radio 610 presents The Drive with Sterner and Hughley. 
All right, welcome back in. It's Sports Radio 610 alongside Clint Sterner. Sean Bajani in for Ron the Show Hughley today. If you'd like to get in, be a part of the show, 713-572-4610. You can call or text the trailer wheel and frame text line. So you wanted to talk a little Boys, Texans this hell segment. With that, had, hell with that. We got a problem in the building. You decided not to do this, we got, obviously. Yeah, now they done put new signs on it. We got a problem in this building, and it ain't just this floor. Now the problem has doubled since I just left the left the studio. What is the it's a real saying? problem. The bathrooms are, are in the whole building are closed due to the no whole building. Well, it says bathrooms are closed due to no water in the building. So I'm assuming. Oh, I think I saw an email about that. I think they're fixing like a a, a water main or something. I did not get that email. Well, let me tell you something here, boys. I mean, this is about the time that my bowel movement hits. Yeah, that is the break you normally go uh, pinch I mean, one off for the first time. I mean, time. you got to be kidding me. I mean, what do you do? What do you do? I don't know. I, I mean, I'm, it's, I'm, this ain't funny. I know you're laughing. I don't think I can laugh. I'll lose it. No. I don't need a dookie. I don't think you should get up and walk around. Yeah, you should. Like, you should probably well, just you, stay me, you, put. you want me to just sit here in, in pain? Sit clenched, man. Well, you might this ain't about clenching, activate bro. something. I mean, this is, I mean, activate. I'm, I'm 44. I ain't 72. Damn. I mean, did you take Metamucil this morning? No, I did not. I, I need. I do That's need. Good. I do need some good, some good uh, fiber stuff. But this is gonna be. This is gonna be rough. You just oh ate a big gosh. ass sandwich before we. Came I mean, I was. Too. I was thinking it's I could have bounced problem. downstairs to the fourth floor or something and been okay. But this is the whole building. We go. We got problems, and it ain't funny. Tyler and I can handle it. You go do what you need to do. Ooh, at some we. Point today. Surely the, there's the a worst, bucket around here somewhere. Seriously, you know the, the worst. The worst thing about. Uh, I'll call them bowel movement cramps for everybody out there that gets disgusted when you talk about poop. Like the worst thing about it is is the body temperature increase. Yeah, like I sweats. Like I don't I don't sweat easy. I immediately go into like panic sweat. So I got a problem if I disappear oh or if Sean Bajani has to bring us back from a segment. Y'all know fine, y'all know what's going on. I'm searching for a hole that works. And I'm and, telling uh, you, there's got to be a bucket around here. There's no way they shut off all the bathrooms in a 19 store 20 story building and send an email to tell us about it. No signs, no nothing. They do that on the weekends sometimes. It's Wednesday. There's no way they're doing it on Wednesday. Oh, my Wednesday gosh. This is a real problem. Hours. I mean, it's it's a major issue. All right. So, so look, I mean, I, we got an issue that could be solved by a bathroom being open, by some water being turned on here. Uh, I, I think Lovey, Lovey Smith and Nick Casario, they, the, the, we talk a lot about their the struggles, right, the Texan struggles. And I do think that there are – uh, more negatives than there are positives when you talk about Lovey Smith. I believe that when you talk about Nick Casario. Um, but when it's all said and done and this all this comes out in the wash, does Lovey Smith keep his job? Does Nick Casario get to hire another coach? Um, I do think that there's one thing that there's, – there's a handful of things, uh, but there's one thing to me that really sticks out like a sore thumb, that, that Hannah and Cal McNair – just can't accept, can't ignore, and can't take lightly. And this all came to light for me when I was reading an article in The Athletic. Deontay Lee of The Athletic, he wrote an article, and the article was titled, What Sauce Gardner and Derek Stingley Jr. Can Teach Us About the Top 2023 Cornerbacks. So it wasn't an article about the Texans. It wasn't a hit piece on the Texans. It wasn't necessarily an article negative about Derek Stingley's health or anything like that. This was a very, um, I thought it was a great article, and I'm going to highlight it for you. And and I agree with a lot of, of what I've read because I've watched the film, right? 
and, and here's here's the gist of it. There's I got three three points that I want to state before I get to the major concern that 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 really struck me here. Deontay Lee, the the, the um, who wrote the article, the author of the article, he 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 talks about Stingley coming out of college at LSU showed great press man to man skills, and or but has played off coverage in a ton of zone in Houston, right? He talks about Derek Stingley through this process has learned to be versatile and honed the ability to play all coverages, not just man-to-man. Right. All right? He talked about watching the film and how Derek Stingley Jr., the Texans' number three overall pick, how he travels with opponents, best receiver, biggest threat, if you will, but when he does travel, he ends up playing cover three, some kind of soft zone. If it is man, he's eight yards off and he's in trail position. It's nothing up uh, you know, up in their face and physical, mm-hmm. right? So, and the only reason I state all that is because I've said it. Um, Seth Payne was on our show yesterday, and I believe he alluded to, to all of that. And so I don't think it's any secret that Derek Stingley Jr. is being used in a way that doesn't necessarily fit why he was rated the number three overall draft pick in the 2022 draft. Okay. Now, in this article, the comparison was Sauce Gardner, who is a long, physical, man-to-man corner who has who who Robert Sala drafted with the New York Jets, and right now Sauce Gardner is being put in position to play physical press, man-to-man coverage, and he is playing at a Pro Bowl, if not an All-Pro level, as a rookie. One of, if not the best corner in, in the game right now, based on what mm-hmm. what what Deontay Lee has seen on film, and based on what I've heard, definitely Pro Bowl caliber, possibly All Pro caliber, right. which is more elite than Pro Bowl for those out there that don't know, right? So here's here's what really struck me as a problem is number one, this next point I'm fixing to read is the biggest concern, but. The bigger concern for me is that it's not me who watches and covers the Texan as, as a job. It's my job to uncover the details, right? Not you, Sean Bajani, who you're in every press conference asking questions to the the coaches, the guys that the guys that actually drafted him, Nick Casario, when he does speak to the media, right? When when stories become national stories and just matter of fact stories, right? I mean, Deontay Lee writes this article, and and everything he's saying is just matter of fact. But here in Houston, it's absolutely unacceptable, and here's why. This is the line that concerns me the most with the number three overall pick. This is how Deontay Lee, who who of the Athletic, who wrote this article, this is how he summed up the thoughts on Derek Stingley Jr. It's been interesting to watch him play in a way that's divorced from his standout traits. That that is a yeah. if I'm if I'm Hannah and, and Cal McNair as the owner, I am irate that somebody can accurately, confidently, matter of factly make that statement about who I just used my number three overall draft pick on. But we've been seeing and saying the same thing, have we not, all season long? In in not just Derek Stingley, but a number of times. Yeah, 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 yeah. But 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 Sean, the, the difference is to me is that folks are writing articles about it, bro. Uh-huh. We're not sitting here talking about, well, he can't stay healthy. Well, he's playing a lot of zone. I mean, it's na- it's 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 just a matter-of-fact national na- – when, when, when you talk about young cornerbacks in the NFL, the fact that Derek Stingley Jr. 
was the number three overall pick because of his ability to to cover man to man, be physical, those elite traits, mm-hmm. and then he go and plays nine or ten. Tyler, how many games? He ten, nine or ten, nine games, right? Because he said, okay. well, he's shut down for the rest of the season. He'll miss. Right. The yeah, he's eight done. Games, so he's played nine games. He's done. Yeah. So right now, the the the, the thought is, well, everybody wants to jump to the injury bug. No, no, no. Hell with that. To, to hell with that. The problem is, is now anytime you talk about corners in the NFL and it goes to rookie corners in the 2022 class, the the story is Derek Stingley was drafted number three overall with with elite elite physical man-to-man traits and was brought to Houston and the coaching staff, a defensive-minded head coach, did not play to those strengths. Mm-hmm. I think I think I think you can sum up coaching in 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 it, t- it takes a while, but I think if I were going to do it in one phrase, it would be one. As a coach, I don't care what your scheme is, I don't care what your philosophy is, I don't care what your approach is. If the end result is you putting every player in position to to win and play let me rephrase that. Play and win with their strengths first and foremost and most often. That's your number one job as a coach. Offensive, 100%. defensive, quarterback, wide receiver, corner, safety. It doesn't matter. Your job is to put that guy, especially if it's a number three overall pick and especially if it's a corner, because a corner playing press man-to-man changes everything that you do around that guy and you can do around that guy. If the national narrative around Derek Stingley Jr. is that he was drafted with these elite traits. And listen to this phrase. I, I, it, like, it, it gave me chill bumps. When I it's been interesting to watch him play in a way that's divorced from his standout traits. Who in the hell drafts a quarterback, receiver, running back, corner, those four positions, or left tackle, and then go, and then decides, ah, we're going to play yeah. him in a way that somebody can describe that as divorced from his standout traits. To me, it's unacceptable. Big picture, it, it, when you look at it, two. If you're the if your ownership and the it, you got to look at the general manager and go, man, we are we just out here drafting guys and wasting a year of their career playing them, playing them divorced from their standout traits. It makes no sense. There's no excuse of hey, Nick Casario's just out there drafting the best player and 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 Lovey Smith's going to play them and 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 when they hire their their long term coach, you'll have good players in the building. Pretty simple. There's there's no excuse. For an article about corners in general in the NFL, when they when they allude to Derek Stingley Jr. to end that way, yeah. Look, I can't disagree with you. I think you're absolutely spot on. There's just a big part of me that thinks that Nick Casario and Cal McNair, to some degree, because I don't really understand or even know. I think I do know. I think we all know just how much football he knows. He just is putting his guys in position to take care of the football side of things while he's concerned with other things and public image and PR and stuff like that. But I, I just I don't find it that shocking, particularly with Derek Stingley, because I think it's just another indictment on this coaching staff, particularly Lovey Smith, in the way that they've underutilized personnel and misused personnel all season long. Case in point, the first month, they did the same thing with Damian Pierce. He wasn't on the field. He was clearly yeah. their best player, not named Brandon Cooks at the time or Laramie Tunsil, and he's not in high-leverage situations or playing in late-game situations. It, to me, it's no different. Yeah. Yeah, look, I, it, it, it's it's to me, it's different because I believe this is something that Cal McNair and Hannah McNair have to look at the general manager and go, man, what are we doing? What are, what are we doing? Are we, dra- are we using the number three overall draft pick to draft a player 
and it, it is highlighting the fact that we as the Texans can't wait a year to play to the strengths of the number three overall draft pick. What are you doing with these these six first round draft picks we have between 2022 and 2024? Are, is that what we're going to do? We're going to draft guys that are the best on the board, really good players, play them not to their strengths, and then when the when the right coach gets in there, all of a sudden you're going to flip the switch and they're going they're going to be great. That that, that don't work. There, there's no end game there. All I'm saying is it's different because. The, the the general manager and and the owners and ownership should be looking at this thing like damn we can't keep repeating that I don't care how many first round draft picks you get that's not ultimately going to win ball games all right we got Sean Bajani he is in every single press conference with the coaches uh, and and the general manager with the Houston Texans and the Texans they've got uh, a week sixteen matchup at the Titans on Christmas Eve we're three days away. We'll get caught up on what's going o- going on over at NRG Stadium. We got some big names that may or may not play. They may or may not be injured. We will get all of that and more from Sean Bajani, and we'll do it next. 